0: Chapter nine OF AN UNWILLING GUEST by Grace Livingston Hill This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters Chapter nine-AN UNEXPECTED SUMMONS As Maurice Gray unharnessed the horse and closed the stable door he was planning how he might help this soul into a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He thanked God for giving him the opportunity, and manlike planned what he would say and do in the days that were to follow. He hoped it would be possible for him to prolong his visit into ten days or two weeks. He had written the busy physician whose partner and assistant he was about to become saying that he would like to do so if he was not immediately needed. He smiled to think how well things were happening and what a wonderful plan was God's to allow his children to do such great work for him. There were one or two little books he would like to read aloud to Miss Rutherford if she was willing. Perhaps tomorrow would afford opportunity. Allison would enjoy hearing them too, though if he were alone with Miss Rutherford, he might be able to help out with explanations which would fit her case, which perhaps might be embarrassing to her if another person were present. By the way, he must ask his sister to pray for their guest! Allison could be a great help; she was a grand sister for a man to have; she understood and had sympathy! Poor Allison! at that moment cutting the bread with firmly closed lips and eyes that held the burning tears back by main force if she could but have known what her brother was thinking in his heart! Then the young man went in to find on the hall table a telegram just arrived. He tore it open in haste, and with that slight premonition of evil, which always comes with those yellow missives, no matter how used we may be to them, or how much we may expect them, there is always that dread possibility of what they may contain. I am called abroad on urgent business. Sail to-morrow. Can you come at once? Wire answer. Thus the telegram read and the name signed below was that of the great doctor whose partner he was about to become there was no getting away from that call it was duty stern and plain and spelled with a capital letter and yet he had thought but a moment before that a higher call had bidden him here to a work for which he was all eagerness he felt a rebellious stirring in his heart and then began to wonder if there was not some selfishness in his desire to stay As well as eagerness to do God's will supposing he should answer I cannot come what would happen the world would go on just the same dr. Attlee would do something ah but what would become of the cases that none but he and dr. Attlee understood what foolishness was he thinking of course he must go then he went to the supper table with a grave face to match Allison's he tried to be cheery and keep the news of his departure to himself until the meal was over. But he soon saw that his mother and the guest had noticed his abstraction. He must explain. Disappointment and dismay fell upon the little group. The father, because he had planned a good talk with long discussion on various topics with this dear son, who was almost a stranger now. The mother, forgetting her own heart in sorrow for Allison, who she knew would keenly feel her brother's hasty departure, and Alison herself, because she was suddenly overwhelmed with grief at her own conduct, and saw before her punishment, her brother gone, and the few short hours she might have enjoyed in his society lost, because she would not share them with another. Blank desolation settled upon the town of Hillcroft, and she was again in a waste and barren land besides how was she to know how to carry out that remarkable promise which she had but just made the fact being accepted supper was no longer considered to be of importance the time-table took a prominent position on the table and a discussion about trains arose and was settled in the midst of this the traveller discovered that it was growing late and rushed upstairs to make his few hasty preparations Downstairs they sat about and waited, no one seeming to know what to do. Allison tried to clear off the table, but the hot tears blinded her, and she finally gave up the attempt and went to see if she could not help her brother. Maurice was just snapping his grip sack together as she tapped on his door and entered. He turned to her with a loving smile. "'Alison, dear, I am sorry you did not have the lovely drive this afternoon it was too bad for you to miss it he said she hastened to offer her assistance and so kept away from the subject of the drive she would not now have him guess her true reason for staying at home for anything to have her dear brother know the foolishness wickedness and pride of her heart would be too great a humiliation isn't there something i can do to help you no alison i have everything in i think unless-oh yes I am glad I remembered that. Alison, I wish you would pray for Miss Rutherford. Not in any ordinary way, you know. Let us claim that promise, sister mine, as we have so many times before. If two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. Now it is time for me to go. Good-bye, dear." There was a shadow by the door where Allison stood so that he could not see the expression that crossed her face as he stooped to kiss her. Miss Rutherford again! How strangely she had come into everything, even this good-bye to her brother! The tears blinded her, so that she stumbled and almost fell as she followed the unsuspecting brother downstairs. It was all over in such a very few minutes, and the household were left standing where he had bade them good-bye, recalling his last words and looking at the place where he had sat and stood a moment before one word the young man had had with the guest alone before he left she stood in the half-lighted parlor looking out upon the moonlit world and feeling a sudden homesickness he stepped into the room and she turned taking her hand he said miss rutherford i cannot tell you how glad i am that i have found you here you will remember your promise. Perhaps you will also remember now and then that I am praying too. And Miss Rutherford, my sister Allison, lives very near to Jesus. Maybe she might be of help to you, and there are ways in which you can help her if you will. The others coming in just then, there was no chance for her to reply. She went to her room almost immediately after he left, She felt that the family was depressed by his sudden going away. She was so herself, and did not wish them to see it. She bade them good night in a sweeter way than she had done before. They could not help but notice it. It was as if the winning way she had used with the young man had descended to them. Mrs. Gray pondered what it might mean. Allison, in a softened and reproachful mood, saw but one more reason for blaming herself for her impulsive prejudices. Evelyn sat down in her room and let her whole acquaintance with the young man just gone sweep over her, culminating in the strange talk they had had that day and the ride and her promise. Why had she made such a promise? She began to see as the day drew toward its end that this promise was going to be a troublesome thing. Perhaps she would forget it she half hoped she would. And yet, if she should meet him again, oh no, she would not like to tell him she had forgotten. She liked being faithful to what she had said to him, even though he should never know. He was that kind of a man. One could not help admiring him, and one must be true all the way through to him. And where was the fascination? Why should she, so differently brought up, with higher social standing? and believing herself to be worth the interest of any man living. Feel in the presence of this man that she was humble as the dust at his feet, and he almost a god. He was like his family. It was a sort of fanaticism, this talk and this unnatural goodness. It was the kind of thing that she had always despised and sneered at. Was it possible that she had at last seen more than this in it, yes she admitted to herself she could but see the effect that religion had on the lives of this one family and that they seemed to be sweet and natural about their goodness and not overpoweringly egotistical and disagreeable with their oughts and ought nots like a few other religionists she had known there was alison how sweetly she had seemed to give up that charming drive and yet one could easily see that she loved her brother almost to idolizing him. She had seen the look that overspread her face on his arrival, and had been an unseen witness of his parting kiss to her, and saw her turn away sobbing when he was gone. It must have been a great disappointment to give up the afternoon all for that fussy little dried-up old maid with a headache. She herself never could have done it, she was sure she did not want to be made into a person who would always have to be thinking of others comforts and forgetting herself in order to do disagreeable things for other people what was that he had asked her are you willing to be made willing to be his then he had known she was not willing not ready to give up her wishes and be this other thing that he and christ she thought the word reverently for since the vision she had been given on the hilltop she would never think the name of christ carelessly again wished her to be and he had asked her to pray against herself to ask to be made willing to be made to want something she did not want to want she had promised to try to ask this she had not realized how much that meant how could she ask it she must ask to be made like alison perhaps or like mrs gray who cared not for her world and she did not want to be like them though she looked at them with wonder and a certain amount of dawning appreciation they were good and there was no pleasure in goodness why should she do this thing in response to a stranger whom she had met but three times and who was dominated by fanatical views she could not finish the power of the stranger over her was so great that she admitted that she would do what he had asked in spite of all her feelings and then her heart accustomed always to questioning itself of these things inquired why there was this power and this fascination this desire to please a man who might never in this world even know of it was she in love with him she had often asked herself that question about other young men whose friendship and attentions were hers if she chose to take them sometimes the answer had been I do not know. Sometimes I like him. Or perhaps I might care for him. But more often, no, I do not love him. As these other men passed before her in review, now as she asked this question of her heart, it seemed a profanation. He had not offered her his love perhaps he had none left for earthly beings except his own family of course aside from the love of saving them but she felt her heart throb with a strange new joy that he had cared for the saving of her soul he was not in the least the kind of a man she had expected herself to love when the time came and it was not a question of love now it was a question of something infinitely higher and greater and she supposed better than any earthly love It was a question of the love of this Christ which was offered her she impatiently put that other question aside as improper even to think of now She would not demean herself longer in her own eyes by classing this man with all the other men she knew her soul had recognized the true and the good and for once she would shake off all prejudices and desires and do this one thing he had asked she would not ask herself if she wished to appear well in his eyes again of course she did but in what measure it did not matter that she would stand very well with him if he knew her true self she had no hope his ideal was his sister alison that was what he would like her to become had he not told her to go to her for an example well there was no use in trying to be such a person for she never could and did not want to if she could. Besides, her life would not admit of it. When she was back again in New York with Mr. Worthington and her other friends, she would forget all about this uncomfortable conscience which seemed to be developing within her, or this strange fancy, but now she must do as she had promised, and the sooner the better, to have it over with then she would search her trunk for the very most exciting novel she could find and read for an hour or two and forget all about the wearisome little town in which she was immured she turned the gas out and knelt down by the bay window seat to pray for the first time in her life for she had not been taught to pray as a child it came to her as she knelt that this was the first time she had knelt thus with a real intention to pray once a plain-faced woman who had come to be her nurse tried to make her pray but she stamped her foot and declared she wouldn't and the woman very soon afterward had been dismissed by the housekeeper because she threatened to tell of something the housekeeper was doing behind the master's back she had actually been the only bit of religious life that had touched evelyn's childhood intimately and evelyn had not liked her because she sat by the window and cried at night when her little charge was going to sleep Weeping in a woman always irritated Evelyn; she rarely wept herself unless she was very angry and then only when every other way of expressing emotion failed Two others knelt at the throne of grace in that same house at that moment-the mother with tender petitions for the one for whom her boy had requested prayer but with a drawing away from the girl in spite of herself, lest she had come between her boy and his family alison with bitter tears of repentance and reluctant request for the salvation of her sometime enemy the feeling against miss rutherford had been so deeply grounded that it was with the greatest difficulty alison could overcome it and ask what she was bound to do with any degree of honesty even then the supplication was but half-hearted The moon, high in the heavens, looked into the bay window and shone upon the bowed head waiting there till she felt that she had performed the ceremony of a prayer to her satisfaction. And out under the moonlighted sky, miles away, rushed the train, and one young man on that train was lifting up his soul in entreaty that would not be denied. It was a hard thing, that first prayer. Evelyn Rutherford, Naaman-like in her pride could not bring her haughty lips to utter those simple words she had been told. She knelt long trying to compose a more formal petition but they unaccustomed would not come at her bidding and at last she said humbly "O Christ make me willing to be good!" Even then as she hastily arose it came to her that she had asked her to try to say these words with all her heart, and she feared that was not possible. However, she had tried, and her conscience was satisfied with the duty discharged. She hastened to relight her gas and search for the novel. Having found it, she settled herself for an hour of relief from the tension under which she had been. But the baron and the lady who were introduced in the first page, seemed trifling and frivolous, and their ambitions so worthless beside the view of the life she had been gazing upon recently that she closed the book and went to bed unconsciously her point of view in life had changed with even this short stay in such a household had she been put back into her old life at once this would doubtless have faded away like some half-forgotten dream to be remembered only when life seemed vain and empty but god had not so appointed From one stage of our being to the next, we pass unconscious or a slender bridge, the momentary work of unseen hands, which crumbles down behind us, looking back. We see the other shore, the gulf between, and marveling how we won to where we stand, content ourselves to call the builder chance. We call our sorrows destiny, but ought rather to name our high successes so, End of chapter 9